Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today we have the pleasure of chatting with Caitlin Simpson, a perinatal social worker and postpartum cook in Houston, Texas. Through her business, Dish Doula, she supports the physical and emotional health of new mothers with the power of good food. She creates specialty postpartum food and products and delivers them every week in the Houston area. I thought this was so cool, and it really reminded me of the amazing book, The First 40 Days, which talks about the first 40 days after birth and the importance of healing foods and support postpartum. As a mother of two, I know the fragility and rawness of postpartum, and I believe it's a stage that not enough families prepare for. With services like Caitlin's, I think communities could have a better and healthier start into parenthood. This is why I'm excited to discuss the postpartum period with her, what women need to know and prepare for, as well as what foods they should have in their fridge and freezer for optimal healing and wellness. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for joining us today on our podcast, Chick Chat. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Happy to be here. Of course, of course. Well, yes, we're excited to have you here because postpartum, oh my goodness, it is such <laughs> a wild ride, right? Inspires fear, just the name. <laughs> oh, yes, because you know, your hormones are all over the place. Your body is trying to heal after such a major event, whether that be a C section or a vaginal birth. You're leaking milk from your boobs, you're bleeding for weeks <laughs> from your vagina, and you, it's and you, a have joy. To, yeah, you, and don't you know, like, don't mind that you also have to take care of an extremely dependent little human on top of all of that. So, (laughs) but I like to say, y'all, it's obviously an amazing and sacred time, but it can be a time of panic and anxiety and vulnerability and loneliness. So I truly believe that not enough people prepare for this time. So this is why I'm just so grateful that you're here with us today, Caitlin, to talk about emotional support postpartum and how foods can really heal our bodies after birth. But before we begin with all of our questions for you, Caitlin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this field of supporting mothers? Yeah, I'm Caitlin. I am a mom. So I have a 16 month old little boy. So postpartum is still pretty fresh in my memory, although, you know, you forget a lot of stuff because you're so tired, but (laughs) I survived (laughs) it. I'm on the other side. And yeah, so I am a social worker professionally. So I work at in the hospital setting as a social worker. I work at a large uh, urban hospital. I work in OB triage department. I work in labor and delivery, antepartum and postpartum. So I see moms just kind of at any stage of their pregnancy or postpartum. And yeah, I've been doing that professionally for about four years. And I also did a little bit of a stint in the pediatric emergency room. So yeah, I've had kind of some, you know, a variety of experiences with mothers along the spectrum. And yeah, and then the postpartum for, you know, personally for myself was very challenging. So I resonated with a lot of what you just mentioned, (laughs) feeling, you know, leaky boobs and tired and like carrying your baby everywhere. And he needs me all the time. And just, it was, even though I think I had had so much exposure and had seen things, it was still a pretty big shock to me, to my system. So yeah, so I uh, had a challenging postpartum, but I am a social worker and I kind of combined both of my loves, like working with moms and then my passion for cooking and baking and created Dish Doula, which um, I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit today. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. That is amazing. And 
that is the coolest job. Like, I wish I had known about that job 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Because that sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, you know, every day is a little bit different. So it's fun for sure. It's like, every day is a surprise. Every, just like all of us have totally unique pregnancies. Like I see women, I'm like, I've never heard of this. I, uh, you know, so it's good in some ways because you learn a lot, but then in other ways you're like, oh, that's going to happen to me. <laughs> oh, so. and that's the thing. I, so I didn't even know, you know, this type of service is out there for moms. Like, and I would think that most women don't like, how do you, how do people find people like you? How does that happen? Yeah. So I think probably depending on what kind of a hospital you're in, you know, you may not have access to a social worker unless you ask for it. But most hospitals do have social workers. Uh, Some of them just do kind of what we call discharge planning. So they make sure that you have your equipment that you need at home and and kind of the whatever might be in a barrier to you going home, they kind of help you resolve that. So, but in women's where I work, we don't really do that. So we kind of assess for mental health. So I do a lot of talking about, you know, perinatal mood disorders. I kind of connect women to substance abuse treatment if they need that. Any issues with like domestic violence or, you know, lack of resource, no prenatal care. It just, there's so many reasons that you might come in contact with a social worker at the hospital. And yeah, so, you know, I think it's probably more like if you live in an urban area and you're delivering at a larger hospital, I think that resource probably exists for you. If you're a little further out, you might not have it. But yeah, yeah, that's good to know. Okay. I just had to ask that because I was like, oh, how do people find people like you? That's so great. <laughs> I know. They come in and they're like, wait, what are you doing in my room? And I'm like, no, this is good. Who are you? Uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. And now switching to your other baby. So your service at Dish Doula. Again, like it immediately made me think of the amazing book, The First 40 Days. And I love how you offer a service that makes good healing foods for families postpartum. So what inspired you to create this company? Yeah. So as I you know, mentioned a couple of times, postpartum for me was very hard and it was hard. I suffered with postpartum anxiety and depression. And so it was pretty apparent to me, you know, from the beginning. So, you know, if you are going through that or if you know, think that you might be going through it, I totally uh, relate. It is extremely challenging. And one of the things for me was that I had lack of appetite. So I just, it was so hard for me to eat anything postpartum, which was a surprise to me. I felt like most of my friends and people I knew who had delivered were like, oh, you're just so ravenous, you know, after you have a baby and, you know, especially if you're breastfeeding, you're just so hungry all the time. And for me, you know, people were basically trying to just coax me to eat a few bites of things because I just did not have an appetite. Yeah. And so like, it's funny because of what I do now, but looking back, uh, the only two things I wanted to eat were like goldfish and pop tarts. <laughs> so I was just like, that sounds good. You know, I'm going to get the calories in. And so one of my best friends came by and gave me some pop tarts and it kind of like kickstarted my appetite a little bit. I think again, where I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. I have to keep up these calories if I'm going to make breast milk, which I was doing. And I also had uh, a meal train. So that was really a huge help um, during postpartum. If you don't know what Meal Train is, it's basically, well, there's a website called Meal Train, but you know, people can sign up to bring you food after you've been in the hospital or after you've had a baby or whatnot. 
So I had meals coming in for like weeks after postpartum, which was awesome. But basically, you know, I did a lot of cooking and baking after I had my son. It was something that brought me some like peace and a lot of joy just to combat that anxiety. And I would find myself like listening to things. So I was, I was actually listening to another podcast called Tales from the Fourth Trimester. And it's a lady who is a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. And first of all, I didn't even know that postpartum doula existed. I was like, wow, wouldn't it be great, you know, to have somebody come take care of you postpartum? And then I was like, wait, this is a real. <laughs> that exists. <laughs> this, is, this exists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, turns out I'm not the first person who watched for that, you know. But anyway, so she she does in-home support and everything as a postpartum doula, but she's also a cook. And so she provides her service just for like healing foods postpartum. So while I'm cooking and baking and everything, I'm listening to that. And I'm like, this is a job, you know, like this is, this is something I could do for other people, like for other women. And then, you know, I have this, you know, professional lens on postpartum as well. So basically it started out with Pop-Tarts. So I was like, you know what? The only thing I wanted to eat postpartum was Pop-Tarts and it's not nutritious at all, but it's like a celebration of something for me. And so I started making those and selling them. And then over time I did more research into what are things that are actually nutritious for your body and beneficial for healing and things that are going to help support your mood during postpartum and started cooking and selling those things. So yeah, it just, it just kind of came together, but it was, you know, and then once I figured out that this is something that I could pursue, I realized there are women doing this in other places. So I found a woman in like Paris and, you know, Southern California and Brooklyn and different places. So I was like, we have to have this in Houston, you know? (laughs) And so, yeah, brought it here. Amazing. Well, we're so grateful that you did because I just think it's the coolest thing because y'all, before we were recording, I was telling her like, you know, it's just sometimes not feasible to be like, okay, I need to make all of this food and freeze it beforehand. But what food should I make? What's going to be best for my body? Am I going to crave this? You just don't know. And am I making it right? You know, if you do find recipes. So to have someone kind of take that off your plate or to be like, you know what, on my meal train, you can go to this website and they have a whole bunch of different things and they can deliver something. I just thought it was the coolest thing. So that's why I got all excited. So Caitlin, so when you were doing your research, what did you discover? Like what are the best foods women should be eating postpartum and why? So yeah. So some of the main things that I found when learning about this myself in general, some of the wisdom is that you should eat things that are easily digestible and things that are comforting to you personally and things that are kind of warming. And so by warming, you know, that would be foods that are, you know, physically warm, but then also foods that have like warming spices. So maybe like ginger and turmeric or cinnamon, um, things that kind of give you a warm feeling internally. And I think the thought process behind all of that is, you know, particularly if you had abdominal surgery, like a C-section, you know, your digestive system might be slowing down a bit. It's been through a lot. And then, you know, if you've been in labor and you've been pushing, you can have some internal um, swelling and bruising and you just want to take it easy on your digestive system and, and give it a chance to, yeah, have something easily digestible. So things like bone broth, things like soup, oatmeal, stuff that's just kind of warm and easy. And then also things that are comforting. So 
you know, that's going to be different for you based on, you know, your culture or just your background. So, you know, like we're here in Houston, we're in the South. Um, so some of the things that I offer to are like biscuits, things that just make you feel like this is comfort food, you know, but that's different for everyone. But yeah, uh, some of the like nutritious properties in general that are great for postpartum the collagen. And, you know, you can find that in cuts of meat that are very tough. So something that would take a long time to break down and release all of those tendons. So anything that you think of that would need to be slow cooked, like pulled pork, for instance, will have a lot of collagen in it. Anything that's in bones too. So like, that's why I mentioned bone broth. Collagen is super important for helping healing skin and for your digestive tract and for helping heal some of those muscles if you had any muscle uh, injuries. So yeah, and then it also can kind of promote some hormone balancing, which we know is extra important postpartum. You're just experiencing massive hormonal shifts. So yeah, and then eggs. Um, Eggs are an excellent source of protein, and they also have a lot of nutrients in egg yolk um, that can support your mood. And iron rich food. So, you know, I could go on and on. I don't know if I you love want it. List them and list them. But okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, iron rich food would be like most of us probably don't eat much liver. I don't know if you like liver. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. not typically yeah. on my no, menu. That's yeah. not on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it myself either. But if you do like, um, like pate, for instance, you can get pate with some delicious spices, kind of cover up that. It's kind of like a metallic-y taste even, but I feel like it has a metallic taste because it's very rich in iron and a lot of postpartum women are really depleted in iron. So if you do like, you know, pate, that's a great source. You can eat it on some toast or have it on a toast with an egg. And then, yeah, and some iron can actually be kind of difficult to absorb. So, you know, you might have that experience when you're pregnant or postpartum that you take an iron supplement and it can make you feel kind of like constipated. And because iron is sort of hard to absorb, but in organ meat, like liver, um, it's in a more easily absorbable fashion for your body. So just something to keep in mind. And then, you know, other, for people who don't eat meat or, you know, have difficulty with eggs and things like that, there's chia seeds, which are a great source of calcium. Again, they have iron and some essential fatty acids. And then one ingredient that I cook with a lot is ghee. I don't know if most people are familiar with ghee. I think it's like kind of on the rise in popularity in the United States. But yeah, yeah, definitely it's been around for a long time in other parts of the world. And basically ghee is, it's sort of similar to a clarified butter, but it doesn't have any lactose. So if you're dealing with any like lactose intolerance, it's a nice alternative and it has a very high like smoking point. So if you cook with it, it's, it can be, um, contain it has a higher smoking point than like olive oil and stuff like that. So it has some very good fats and that helps release some oxytocin in your brain. And then also like fermented foods like kimchi and sauerkraut, they help with your digestive health or if you're experiencing any leaky gut. And so there's so, so many things that, you know, Oh my gosh. Yeah. There are so many things. And I, one of the things that's, you know, sad to me is when we think about, pregnancy nutrition or postpartum nutrition, most of us, our mindset is goes to a place of restriction. So, you know, what can I not have when I'm pregnant or what should I avoid, you know, when I'm breastfeeding or this and that. And really there's just so much to learn about what we can have that can support 
our healing. Um, so yeah, lots. And then, you know, one, one fun one that probably a lot of people will like is dark chocolate. So it has a very good source of magnesium. (laughs) Yeah. So don't feel bad. Yeah. But again, like, you know, really the main thing I think is just to get enough calories in general, make sure that you are getting enough calories and you're eating things that are making you happy and that you're not trying to restrict yourself. You know, you really have enough on your plate postpartum and just eat the things that are making you feel good. You know, I love that. That's so cool. And, but the things that you just listed aren't things that I typically cook with. So that's why I think it can be really intimidating for people to be like, okay, these are things that can really like the ingredients that can really heal my body postpartum, but I don't know how to cook with these items. So having to kind of teach yourself that while, you know, you're pregnant and getting ready for this baby can be a little intimidating, but it's doable. I'm sure you guys, there's some great recipes out there that you can find, but it's really nice to be able to, again, find a service like yours that knows, oh, I'm they're using these ingredients that are made to heal my body postpartum. So I just thought that is just super cool. The coolest thing. Yeah. So, you know, and I love being able to take a professional approach and cooking things um, for women with that in mind, because yeah, again, it can be really intimidating. And I know I just did not have the capacity to do that for myself. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Postpartum. And then, you know, like you said, you know, if you're thinking about like, oh, what can I freeze? Like, let me make some of these recipes and freeze them. It's like, well, what if I make a bunch of it and then I don't like it or it just doesn't freeze that well, you know? Right. So there's just so many things to, to consider, but having a service like Dish Doula, uh, you can deliver something straight that's particularly for mom. I think it, you know, it's something that friends and loved ones and things like that like to do something for mom in particular, but they don't really know what to do. Right. So yeah, it kind of fills that need as well. No, I just think that's so helpful because I literally told my husband, after I give birth to this baby, you need to get a Jimmy John's number nine sub sandwich <laughs> like that. Yes, but I yes. don't think those things are probably the best <laughs> for my digestive tract, but oh well. Whatever is going to motivate you to get the baby out is, that's a plus <laughs> in my book. So if you're like, I'm doing it for the Jimmy John's thing, you know, <laughs> do, do whatever you need to do. I know. But again, then it's nice to be like, oh, but in my freezer or in my fridge, I have bone broth. I have all this stuff. I'm going to be fine. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, Caitlin, I know that Ayurveda, am I saying that right? Ayurveda? 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 Yes. Uh Is really popular when it comes to postpartum healing. Uh, Do you practice this? And for our listeners, can you explain what this is? Yeah. So, I'll be careful here because I'm definitely, I'm not like an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner and I'm not, I'm not officially trained in that at all. But I just, in my research and things like that, have realized that a lot of postpartum recipes and some of the wisdom around postpartum nutrition originates from Ayurvedic practice. So yeah, with my understanding of it, you know, being limited, but Ayurvedic medicine is very ancient form of healing and it's a preventative form of medicine. So like promoting overall holistic, you know, mind, body, spirit, wellness. And it's where, you know, we get some of our understanding of like earth, wind, fire, 
kind of your connection to the universe and having all of those things be in alignment for your overall health and well-being. So I'm probably completely destroying that uh, definition, (laughs) but that is my understanding of it. And so when I was mentioning like eating things that are warming, um, that comes from some Ayurvedic principles. So I, I guess there's a concept that after you've delivered a baby that your body is very like cool and full or not full. It's actually very like empty. So there's kind of um, some cavernous space left where the baby was. And um, so it's about eating things that are like filling you with warmth and um, bringing some vitality back. Right. Right. I think it's like, it's like you've lost a lot of chi when you've given birth. And so that warming like spices and the warmth, like temperature wise, it fills that, you know, that chi back up. I, I, from what I remember reading a little bit about it when I was reading that book, the first 40 days and I was like, Oh, that's very interesting. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. And she comes from like traditional Chinese background. And, you know, that's one of those things that I realized as well growing up in, you know, I'm from Texas, but growing up in the United States, like we really have lost a lot of our roots when it comes to how we care for postpartum women. So even saying postpartum, a lot of women just automatically think like, oh, that means depression. You know, you say, oh, she didn't get postpartum. And you're like, well, she is postpartum. You can't like, catch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, in, in other cultures, they have these like very rich traditions of caring for women, um, particularly, you know, in the six weeks postpartum or, or in 40 days, depending on what the tradition is. So like, yeah, in traditional Chinese culture, they have confinement um, and very kind of like strict guidelines around what you do and don't do. So it's kind of interesting, you know, to look into these things yourself and realize, you know, some of the things that we can incorporate. Some of them, you know, might not resonate with you. But yeah, Ayurveda, there's definitely a lot of wisdom there to be gleaned. Very cool. Very cool. So for people who are listening, who may be, you know, approaching their due date, what would you tell them? Like how much food should they be preparing beforehand, like in their fridge and freezer or ordering if, you know, they're going to order from a service like yours, like have it ready before they have the baby. So then they're all set for postpartum. What What is your recommendation? So um, I think it's good to have a food plan for at least the first six weeks postpartum. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that your fridge and freezer is like completely full and ready to go for that many weeks. But, you know, I mentioned meal train or, you know, definitely like I have gift cards if you live in Houston or, you know, if you don't, looking into services that can deliver food, having, you know, gift cards for those services or a plan just because, yeah, you are just, even if you feel that you have pretty good energy postpartum, your body is working really hard to get back to stasis. And so you might, I know for me, for instance, my labor and delivery was pretty quick and I would, I would venture to say it was pretty easy. <laughs> I don't want to get destroyed for saying that, but I had an overall good experience, but my postpartum was still really hard. Um, I felt very depleted. And so, yeah, having having a plan for those first six weeks because you're just going to feel pretty run down more than likely. And so, yeah, having, and, you know, I like to kind of encourage people, if you do like to cook or you do find yourself cooking while you're pregnant or, you know, leading up to those few weeks, um, if your partner is cooking, you can just double the recipe of what you're making and freeze half of it. That way you're not, you know, creating more work for yourself, more stress. 
So just, you know, do the simple things that you can. And, you know, if you like banana bread, go ahead and make two loaves and freeze one of them. And I recommend having a lot of things like that, like snacks on hand, because you kind of don't find yourself sitting down for three meals a day. So things that are just easy on hand when you're, when you're hungry. And yeah, but I think, you know, asking people to help you with this is really key. So one thing that I've really, you know, realized it, during starting this job and just thinking so much about postpartum is that we really value independence in our culture and that kind of clashes with new motherhood. So new motherhood can be really isolating if you don't have a perspective of like, can I ask people to help me? And so asking people like, yeah, I I am going to need help with food after the baby comes, you know, no matter how much I have ready to go, just asking for what you need is really going to be a good introduction to the skills that you need as a mom. (laughs) So yeah. So I encourage people to not take it on solo, but definitely to have some kind of plan for six weeks. Amazing. That's a good like benchmark for us to know like, okay, the first six weeks. And that's what I typically tell people just in general with postpartum. I'm like, things should get a bit easier at that six week mark because you've established some type of routine. Maybe it's not, it's not a legitimate schedule, but you should know your baby's rhythm by then. And at that point, when you know your baby's rhythm, you're able to also fit in more self care uh, things for yourself. And when I say self care, y'all, Taking a shower, <laughs> those are just basic needs. It's not even like right, self-care. That's <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> but hopefully at the six-week marker, you're able to, you know, fit in some things also for you. So, but before that, definitely like getting that support. And yeah, I feel like being fed, like eating good foods that's going to heal your body is so essential. And it just makes that transition a lot easier for you too. So yeah, I love that. Okay. So I'm going to hop back to your perinatal social worker stuff. So again, I just think that that's such a cool job. Can you explain to us, because like you said, you see different people all the time. And I think it's important to not only address, you know, what we have been talking about the food, because people don't really think about that as, you know, something important for healing, but also that emotional support. So can you explain what you, you know, you did explain a bit what you do, but how you really help families? What is it that you do to help families with uh, that role? Yeah. So it just, it totally depends on what stage they're at when I come in and and what I'm coming in for. So one of the things I didn't mention before is I often work with women who experience like miscarriage or stillbirth or uh, neonatal death as a social worker. And so if I'm coming in in that capacity, a lot of it is just listening and being kind of a guide through that process of like, where do I, you know, this has just happened. I'm in the hospital. Like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? And so, you know, in that, in that role, it's listening and then just also providing that emotional support of, you know, um, there's a lot of guilt, um, for people who've experienced that, like my body did something wrong. You know, I, I didn't do something that I was supposed to do, which I, is not accurate, but we obviously, you know, a lot of women feel that way. So I'm just being a support person, um, in that role, but Yeah. If I'm working with a postpartum woman and she's feeling anxious or she's starting to feel depressed, I just come in and kind of create, help her create a plan for what are you going to do when you get home? Um, So maybe you're feeling great. You're on top of the world and just, you know, experiencing joy at the birth of your new baby. But 
you're, you haven't thought yet about what's going to happen if I do begin to feel anxious and I do begin to feel depressed. And it, when you do, it's really hard to make decisions. So just coming in and helping them create a plan for who am I going to reach out to if I get to that place. And then if there are any kind of like family relationship conflicts, so you know, being having a new baby into your family really changes a lot of the dynamics, of course. And so just coming in and being kind of an objective person in the middle of whatever that conflict is and helping if it's a couple, you know, helping them think through, you know, how can we create a more supportive dynamic here for mom, for baby? And then, yeah, if it's just a lack of resource. So if it's like, I really don't have you know, I don't have health coverage, you know, things like that. I don't have access to the things that I need. Um, then as a social worker, you know, getting them connected with what already exists in the community. But social work is, we call it like person in the environment focus and it's very strengths-based. So I come in and I see like, what is already working here? What do you have going for you that, you know, what's in your corner? What do you have working for you? And how can we use those things that are already working to make postpartum or or new motherhood just as positive an experience as it can be. I love that. I love that. And that sounds really similar to what postpartum doulas do, just not in, you know, a medical setting. So, and I just think that that's such an important part of postpartum, having someone that's maybe not so close to home, you know, it's not your mother, your mother-in-law, your sister. It's someone who is a complete, you know, third party, unbiased, who really just has your best interests at heart and and thinking about these are the essentials that you need, you know, support and food and and rest and uh, hygiene. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, how are we going to make sure that you get all of these things? And I do want to say everything that you just mentioned, y'all, we have a postpartum care plan template that you can go on our website and download and fill out. So it asks you these questions. So then you're like, oh, I didn't even consider that. Uh, what would I do in this situation? So that it, it, it's kind of like a conversation piece that you can have with your partner. So I love that you you do that with your clients because I think it's just so I think it's so important. It's not discussed enough. So I want to now know, Caitlin, what do you recommend expecting mothers think about and prepare for while they're still pregnant? Yeah. So in practical terms, I think, you know, making sure that you have a care provider that you that you trust and that you have a good relationship with can also make your postpartum experience a lot more positive. So spending a little bit of time while you're pregnant, thinking about, or, you know, definitely at the very early stages of your pregnancy, thinking about what kind of a care provider you want to work with. And if this is a person that you trust their, trust them and having some discussion with them while you're still pregnant about postpartum, like, you know, what is their approach to postpartum mood disorders? What do they recommend? And just making sure that they kind of uh, jive with what you want that can make a big difference. And also another practical thing is regarding sleep. So sleep deprivation is extremely challenging. So, you know, there is a reason that they use that as a form of torture, right? I mean, it is just, it's tough and every baby is different. So every person's experience with sleep deprivation is going to be different, but um, it can have a very negative impact on your overall mood if you're not getting sleep. 
And I think sometimes our reaction to that as new moms is to try to get the baby to sleep more, right? And so you just put all this energy into Googling, like, what can I do to get this baby to sleep? You know, is there a problem with my breast milk? Or, you know, you just, you just going in circles, spinning your wheels, trying to figure out this sleep issue. When in reality, sometimes there's not much that we can change about your baby's sleep pattern um, in the very beginning. And you're going to have to try to create some things in your own life to where you can get sleep. And so there is something to be said for getting at least a four hour chunk of sleep, which, you know, if you don't have a baby or you've not been through this yet, maybe that doesn't sound like very much, but four hours can be really restorative and combining a couple of sleep cycles. And so I just, you know, if you have a partner, just having a conversation with them before the baby arrives about like, hey, um, you know, I've heard four hours at a time is really important. I want to try to get that as best I can. It's not always going to happen. But if that means that, you know, you need to be open to the bottle, uh, to a baby taking a bottle, or you need to be you know, just having an open mind when it comes to certain things about the baby's routine so that you can get some sleep. You know, it's not selfish, it's essential. So sleep. And then also just something a little bit more when I am thinking about what, or when I'm talking to women about what they should think about postpartum, if you're going to spend some time like journaling or processing is just, you know, having, having a new baby brings a lot of joy and um, naturally a lot of celebration, but there's also some grief that takes place, especially um, with new motherhood. So there's a loss of freedom. There's a change in identity. Your relationships are going to change. And like I said, you know, it brings joy and it brings celebration, but it's okay to recognize the fact that, that it makes you sad in some regard too about the changes that are taking place. You can have both things, you know, and so just spending some time allowing yourself to recognize that and um, to feel it if you want to talk about it with somebody or if you want to just, you know, journal it for yourself. But, you know, definitely if in taking the time to talk to your partner about that, about what are some of your fears um, about it and then what are some of, you know, the dreams that the two of you have for this baby. So, yeah, just knowing that it's okay to be a multifaceted person, right? Um, you, you're not going to just feel happiness about the baby. You're going to feel a whole variety of things and it's nothing to be scared of. It's very natural and it's okay to embrace that. Yeah, I agree. And I'm so glad that you say that because I think when women are like, oh, I miss my old life. I miss being able to just like sleep in, uh, get a huge chunk of like eight hours undisturbed sleep, mm-hmm. be able to pick up my things and go to the coffee shop or whatever without having to think about my baby's next feeding or sleep cycle or whatever. And it's women then start feeling like, oh, I'm a bad mom. Like I shouldn't be thinking that. I should be just so overjoyed that I have this baby. But it's absolutely true. And it's normal to feel those things. It's it's only abnormal when it's just constant, like right. constantly, you know, in doom and gloom and, and you know, anxiety and, and sadness. But otherwise, every woman says these things, but probably behind closed doors. <laughs> Yes, yes, definitely. And yeah, and that's, you know, that's another thing I want to touch on as well is, is just when you are thinking about your pregnancy and your postpartum, you know, not that I want to harp so much on postpartum depression, and anxiety, but you know, I'm a social worker, so I have to, <laughs> but it's knowing yourself and knowing the signs and symptoms of that so that you 
are very clear on the difference between like, this is just a natural, you know, joy and sadness and all of these things that I'm experiencing, or yeah, this is becoming something a little more intense that I need help with. So, you know, thinking about those things ahead of time before you're in the actual situation, and then you're confused and, and it's the first time that you thought about it. For sure. For sure. I so appreciate that. Caitlin, what resources do you recommend that families look into at this point, whether they are still pregnant or newly postpartum? Are there any yeah, resources that you recommend? As far as baby care goes, my recommendation would be to try to not Google things as much as you can. It's very tempting to get worried about every little thing with a newborn, but I had this book that I used during the first year of my son's life called Baby 411. I don't know if you've uh, yeah, heard it. No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember my sister telling me that, like, you need to get Baby 411 and just like totally stay off of Google. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I think it saved me a lot of a lot of trouble. So um, yeah, it's written by a pediatrician. I'm pretty sure, and it's a very good resource. It's pretty comprehensive about most things that a baby could experience in the first year. And, you know, having a good pediatrician, again, that you trust and that you feel you could have good communication with. And then, you know, we've mentioned the first 40 days um, a few different times on here. It's an excellent resource for nutrition and just kind of a good, like if, if this is a totally new concept to you, it's a really good starting place. And it also is a recipe book. So there are recipes in there. And yes, I I recommend that. And then I had mentioned kind of when we first started talking about another podcast called Tales from the Fourth Trimester. And yeah, it's a lady who's a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. Uh, Her name is Naomi Krosalakis. And um, she has a lot of, she focuses all on that, what we call it, you know, the fourth trimester, those first six weeks. So she has a lot of, you know, guests and a lot of them are Australian. So it's kind of fun to listen to them anyway. And so, yeah, those are some things I recommend. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I will add, y'all, look at, if you're wanting extra support, look into a doula. So if you don't have uh, social workers available to you at your hospital, there should be someone that can help you. There's always help. If you don't have it readily available through family or friends, you can always find help. So another resource is like Dona or that's Dona Dart. Dot org or kappa.net. Those are, or you can just search in your area at doulamatch.net for, for some local support if you're, if you're wanting some extra help, which I highly recommend. So amazing. And Caitlin, any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? Yes. So I guess I would just say, as far as, you know, eating and nutrition goes that just eat things that make you happy and let people take care of you. So it's as simple as that. And whenever you have the motivation or the energy to think about, you know, nutritious foods and recipes and things like that, there is a lot of information out there that you can find, but you know, yeah, be gentle with yourself, be gentle with your baby. It's a season to be slow um, and just embrace that. Also, you know, we can make a lot of good plans about our birth and our postpartum. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is just about surrendering to the things that do end up happening. And that's an opportunity for growth. So yeah, just being gentle and and surrendering to the things that do happen. That's beautiful. I agree. I totally agree. And I do want to mention for people who, I love the tip uh, that you said, 
to allow people to help you. You know, it's okay to accept that help. But for people who don't have others who are offering help, it's okay to ask for it. Absolutely. Ask for it. So if people don't offer it, it's okay to ask for it because this is not not every day you're having a baby. So it's okay right. to ask for it. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if you ever heard the phrase, but like it, you, we teach people how to treat us. So when you know, through asking for help, that person is going to see, you know, sometimes we feel ashamed or we feel like we're weak or something asking for help. But in reality, what you're teaching them about you is that you have self-confidence and that you are strong enough to ask for the things that you need. And it does take strength to ask for those things. So, you know, exercise that, that muscle. And when we ask for help, you know, it gives other women or other people that were asking the freedom to, to ask us in return. And we get the privilege of taking care of one another. So I love it. Yes. Couldn't agree more. So Caitlin, where can our listeners find you? So I am Dish Doula on Instagram. It's just at Dish Doula. And I'm on Facebook as Dish Doula. And then I have my own website, dishdoula.com. So yeah, and that's where you can order is just dishdoula.com. That's where you place your order. And yeah, if you are local um, to the Houston area, I deliver all over Houston and I like to have orders in by uh, like Tuesday evenings and then I cook Wednesday, Thursday, and I do my deliveries on Fridays. So amazing. Okay. So for people who are not in the Houston area, do you ship? (laughs) I do not, unfortunately. Darn it, it, y'all. But you know, if you have a friend in Houston, ask them to pick some stuff up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. But for y'all that are listening, if you're not in Houston, do some Googling, do some searching, see if there is someone in your area that's potentially offering a service like this. I, again, we're so fortunate to have you, Caitlin. So we're grateful that you're on this show with us and shedding light to something that, again, not a lot of people know exists. So this is this is so great. And again, thank you for your time, Caitlin. I love these tips and I'm sure our listeners did too. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and answering our questions. It was really a joy. Thank you so much for having me, Nina. I really, really appreciate it and love your podcast. Love what you're doing. Hey, well, we love you. And for our listeners out there, we love you too. (laughs) And And to learn more about Caitlin, like she said, you can visit her on Facebook and Instagram at Dish Doula, as well as her website, dishdoula.com for more. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or stories of your own that you would like to share that helps you during your postpartum journey, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave an honest review. Thank you for tuning in and cheers to a happier and healthier postpartum experience.